Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Into the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Conway, at Colby R. Conway, over on X, formerly known as Twitter. Matt, we are in full sports swing. Football was on the screens last night, as well as baseball. Baseball's back again today. Uh, I know for me, it's a good time of year to say the least, but how's everything going for you? Things are good. Uh, for my other sport that I cover here, obviously cover some NFL, do baseball, obviously. Uh, and you all know me from NASCAR. NASCAR is just down the road from Arrowhead, just on the other side of the river from um, Arrowhead, actually, at Kansas Speedway this week. So, um Brad Keselowski was actually in attendance at the Chiefs-Lions game on Thursday, and he's from Michigan, so we know who he was rooting for. Uh, but things are good. Things are good. You know, we, we got cooler temps here, too, which is also nice because now it's feeling like fall sports time here, too. So mm -hmm. that's that's always – when you don't have to deal with 95 degrees anymore, that's always a good time of year. The first 95 degree is always nice because usually you're coming out of colder and it's nice. Right. And then once it's every day for – Days on end. Yep. I'm with you. Matt, I want to talk to you a little bit about the, the National League MVP race. You're seeing the images circulate around Twitter. It's comparing the stats. And when I look at it personally, I understand how you can take a look at some of like more like the, the advanced metrics and stuff like that. To me, I don't even know if Mookie Betts is close. At least when I look at the numbers, the way I'm seeing it, is it? Let me Let me kind of put it this way are people trying to make something out of nothing? And it's kind of like, you know, when you look at like other sports, it's like, well, you know, yeah, this player's having a better season, but if we look at their expected statistics, this player's better because of that, if they were living up to it. So really the other player's just luckier. That's the way it is. To me, I don't understand how Acuna's, how, how not everybody doesn't think that Acuna's miles and miles ahead of Mookie Betts for the NL MVP race. Am I, am I off base here? I think what it is is that Mookie is playing multiple positions this year, right? He started short, and he hasn't played short in, like, ever in his professional career and made it look easy. And then he's played second base, which we know he did some last year. And then he played, you know, all over the outfield, which obviously what he is. But – and I get it that the Dodgers went from bad – well, not bad, but like middling. Dodgers to, bad. Yeah, Dodgers bad. Went from middling to now, what, 13 games out in front in the NL West? And they're going to lock up their, I think, 10th straight division title. Um, 
So I think that's part of it. But to me, here's the question. If you flipped Betts and Acuna, would the teams be in the same spot? And I don't think that's the case. I think the Dodgers would have been better longer and sooner with Acuna on the roster than with Betts on the roster. Not to mention, Freddie Freeman's right there, so how can you give sole credit to Mookie Betts? And I've seen Freddie Freeman tossed in there. He's a reasonable comp. But, like, we're talking about a guy who's the first ever to do the 30-60 club. Mm. Right? It's never happened in the history of baseball. So, and while you do have Matt Olson there hitting bombs... I think it's I think it's Acuna. I don't I don't really think it's all that close. To be honest, um, what do you make? What do you make of some people? It seems like see when, when at least some of the things that I've seen circulate around Twitter and stuff, it's like we're not even going to talk about Acuna's sixty three stolen bases. Well, that's just a product of the rule changes. He wouldn't have had that. Sure, I mean yeah, back in twenty nineteen, he stole thirty seven bags. He almost went forty forty that year. The thirty seven or the 63 stolen bases this year is like a sizable jump. Don't get me wrong. Could some of that be attributed to the larger bases and increases in stealing? Right, but sure. But Mookie stealing more bags. Correct. And then when you look at, well, before I get to the next one, let me start with that. The stolen bases need to count into this equation because what he's done on the base paths as well is exceptional. Right. If we're going to give credit to the excitement of Eli De La Cruz for stealing like he stole three bags in one in one trip around the bases, right? He got a single or got on via walk and then stole second and then stole third and stole home. If you're going to give credit to Eli De La Cruz for doing that or Corbin Carroll for being ridiculously fast, why are we discounting Ronald Acuña and stealing bags? Right? Most valuable player, he's putting his team in better spots by I mean last year he had 11 caught stealing attempts and 40 attempts. He was caught stealing 11 times in 40 tries. This year, he's been caught 11 times, but in 74 tries. Right. So he's more efficient. Granted, it's his team's better spot. That, you know, the pickoff rules and the larger bases are helping. Sure. But everybody's playing with those rules. It's not exactly. like they changed it for Acuna and nobody else. It's not like right. he gets on bag or gets on base and they put in bigger bags, but Mookie gets on base and they're smaller bags. No. Like, and I get it that Mookie doesn't really run anymore. But that's part of the value of the game. Like, you're, he's producing runs by stealing. If he gets a single and then steals second, and then the guy behind him in the lineup singles, Acuna now scores. If he didn't steal, that run wouldn't have been created. So he's literally increasing his team's chances of winning by stealing bases. Mm-hmm. That has to count for value. And the whole war argument, I mean, I get it, but, like, now you see on Facebook and Twitter where there's these comparisons between, like, Greg Maddox and Clayton Kershaw, and one of them has dramatically higher war than the other one. It's a It has to do with the year and the era that they pitched in or played in and the position and and whatnot. So I – I don't know. I would be more comfortable with, I guess, Freddie Freeman being closer in the discussion to Acuna than Mookie Betts. 
And when you look at Mookie, like last year, I mean, he's he's going to best some of his numbers from last year. He's already he's got the career high in home runs. Cool. That's you know good for him. Guess what? Acuna's could push that forty one that right. he had back in twenty nineteen, so he could do it as well. Then you look at Mookie. The batting average is up pretty high from where it's been in past couple of years. So like that's been a nice jump. Acuna's batting average is higher, and like one of the biggest things about Acuna's season, I think when the season's over, we're going to look back on it and think how impressive it really was. But he was a twenty plus percent strikeout guy. And this year it's 11.8%. And if he has a very, very strong month here, there's a very realistic chance he ends the year with potentially 40 home runs, 70 stolen bases, a 330 batting average, and potentially more walks than strikeouts. Yeah. How does that not win you MVP? Like you should just give it to him for the AL too and just say it was so good (laughs) that he's just the best player. in. I mean, he's the best player in baseball. Yeah. He, it's that simple. Like, that guy should win. I'm sorry. I know there's the Dodgers contingent that's like, well, this guy's good. Okay. But uh, he's having a very good year. I'm not saying Mookie Betts isn't. I'm not saying Freddie Freeman isn't. They're both mm-hmm. having very good years. But you have to account for what Ronald Acuna is doing in powering a team that may have a top three offense in the history of baseball when it's mm-hmm. all said and done. they That offense for the Braves this year might be a top three offense in the history of baseball. And he's impacting every facet of that team. Yep. Every single one. I don't, I don't see how it's not. And then if you want to just do simple brass tacks, as I'm looking over here. And he plays every day. Yeah. Acuna, more hits. Only four less doubles, only four less home runs. He's got seven more runs scored within 11 RBIs of him. Batting average is 17 points higher, 52 more stolen bases. We can't just throw out the stolen bases. You you have to count that in because that I impacts mean, everything. The entire other team more in stolen bases. Yeah. And then you want to look at some of the stuff too. Like they had the same OBP. Mookie Betts is 609 slug. Acuna's 579. Betts' OPS over 1,000 is very impressive. Acuna's at 990. Like there is not one category where Betts is substantially correct beyond like Acuna. With everything you look at, like Woba, eight point difference, WRC plus nine point difference. There are categories where Acuna is blowing Betts out of the water. There's not one where Betts is substantially ahead of Acuna. Correct. At least in the offensive statistics there. So and if Betts is a cold month, I wouldn't be surprised to see Acuna in the year with more home runs. Right. Also, speaking of which we can transition here, but Betts left the game on crutches on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Said it was precautionary, but you never know with that. Team. They had I an just... x-ray. He fouled the ball off his foot in the eighth inning. The fact that he was on crutches means that it may not be broken, but it's sore as heck. And if he misses a few games or they give him some sparing time, like maybe he doesn't go on the I.L., but they shift him in and out so that he can be healthy for the playoffs. Could you happen. Know, it's. It takes some some stats away from him for sure. I mean, let yeah. alone fantasy, like it's gonna be a pain in the rear end for fantasy people if he's just getting shifted in and out of the lineup and not actually on the IL. Yep. But so we'll have to we'll have to wait for the, I guess the X rays. I don't think they my guess is that if the X ray said anything, they would have announced it. Yeah, I agree. But I mean a guy across town fouled the bone off his shin and missed two months. Right. <laughs> so 
and forgot how to learn how to speak or talk speak English. Except for the last oh. word of that sentence. What was it today? Yeah. Okay, so no, he knows I'm today. Well, today, but like, it... well, hey, maybe maybe in the Duolingo course, that's the first thing that you learn is the word today. Maybe he hasn't gotten to that lesson in Babel yet. I don't know. Or Babel, yeah. Or yeah. What, what's the other one? Rosetta Stone does not do yeah. languages as well. Yeah. yeah. So one of those three. But safe, suffice it to say here, let's see what happens with Mookie Betts in the coming days. But your votes for Ronald Acuna for an MVP? Yeah, I have no, I have no problem with. Like I thought he was the MVP. To be honest. When the post came out that said, you know, it's not a runaway from Acuna, it never occurred to me that it was anybody other than Ronald Same. Acuna since, like, July. Yeah. Like, it's just been that good of a season. Yep. I agree. He has my vote Now, here's as the well. question. Who's the AL MVP? I mean... If we're truly going by most valuable player and we don't do the other stuff that always goes into the award, it's Otani. I mean, if we're truly the, going most valuable player, yeah. <laughs> My only question is does the injury and the fact that the Angels have crashed and burned take. Now, we've seen guys win MVPs without making the playoffs. Obviously, Mike Trout has a few of those. Right. Mm-hmm. But does that take any luster off of that selection? I think the other way you could look at it too is they crash and burned with him. What if they didn't have him? I would mean, they that, would they even have been in a spot at the deadline to right. do that? That's that's usually how I argue this is like, I okay, <laughs> well they were bad with him, but they would have been yeah. way worse without him. And so, that's truly most valuable player. Right. Like if you're going to go with that, like I think it's Otani, but I think so too. I think you could, you might be able to make an argument that the second choice would be Corey Seager. I uh, I think there would be a very legitimate argument. Yes. Now the Rangers are going backwards, which doesn't help this case. No, does not. If someone had a better first half. Julio could be in play with how good he's been the second half, but basically all he's doing is playing catch up from a poor first half. Right. So. But if the Mariners win that division, you can make an argument that in the second half. Make an argument for Bobby Witt. I mean, if you're going to argue that Shohei is most valuable, because even with the team losing, how do you not give it to a 30, 40, like a guy who's in sniffing distance of, of a 30, 40 season? Yep, two two homers away, one stolen base, and he's only 15 RBI and 22 runs from 100-100. And his average isn't isn't terrible. 273. With a 293 expected batting average, we know everybody loves expected averages and expected numbers. So we will see how those races come down to the end. But, Matt, it's time to go down on the farm with you, with Matt Sells at the Salesman over on X. couple of prospects here we got to talk about here in the first one before we start speculating of – who and maybe what happened in particular situations in Arizona. One of their top prospects, Jordan Lawler gets the call figure. He's going to play quite a bit down the stretch. And I believe he's going to probably get some time at third base. Cause that position has been iffy for yeah. Arizona for the most part. So what can fantasy managers expect from Lawler? Let's, let's go with first here in 2023. And then assuming he is up full time in 2024. 
Yeah, so he's a top 10 prospect in my book. I have him seventh in my most recent top 400 rankings. Um, he is their top prospect now that they've graduated. Guys like Corbin Carroll and Perdomo and Alec Thomas and um, whatnot. He's had a pretty good year down on the farm. He's played 105 games between double A AA and triple A this year. He's slashing, you know, he's hitting 278, not bad. On base percentage of 378, pretty good. You know, 100 point difference between average and on base is pretty nice. Just under a 500 slug. 20 homers and 36 steals between double A and triple A. Now, granted, triple A, Reno, pretty hitter friendly Pacific Coast League. Um, but still, you know, something to to be said about a 2030 season he is more of a top of the order or a you know bottom two kind of second leadoff guy than a middle of the order hitter um and you can notice that because he's got 77 runs this year 48 rbi so usually when you see that discrepancy it's either top or bottom of the order my only question is so he's got really nice tools obviously about an average hit tool but the power and speed are above average to plus so really, really impressive. He has figured out how to cut the strikeout rate, which is also nice to see. My only question is, where is he playing full-time defensively? He has played exactly one game in his entire minor league career at third base. Mm-hmm. He has either DH'd or played shortstop the rest of the time. Okay. Now, granted, not a lot of time in the minors. He was a 2021 first-round pick, so... Not a ton of time. He's not unseating Perdomo at shortstop. He's been plenty good there defensively and offensively. He's not unseating Cattell Marte at second base. That's not happening. Third base is a reasonable option, considering the fact that it's Evan Longoria and I believe what Emmanuel Rivera Mm -hmm. is the other usual option there at third base. But it will be interesting to watch down the stretch because depending on your fantasy league, and how they accept position eligibility, you may have a guy who qualifies at short and third going in the next year. I fully expect him to be a starting option for them next year, likely at third base, because I don't see where else he, unless they move him to maybe one of the, one of the outfield spots, maybe, but again, he hasn't played outfield. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he hasn't played out of the dirt in the minors at all. So um not sure. I guess third would be the, the clearest option, but it's something to watch. For mm-hmm. sure. He did get the start in his debut at short move, Geraldo Perdomo over to third. So maybe, maybe what they could do is for the ease of the transition, move Perdomo over to third be in that little situation, yeah. let Lawler play short where he's comfortable. Then in the off season, if they want to decide to keep Perdomo or they could say Perdomo is going to learn third because in 2027, we don't ex- exactly expect to see you here anymore, but we know Lawler's going to be here. So maybe, you know, maybe it's something where they move the other guys for Lawler or the other option would be over the off season, let him get comfortable at third base. So right. that way, next, you know, that way it's not like, Hey, you're coming up to the big leagues. We need you down the stretch. Here's your first taste of major league pitching. Here's a new position. Handle this defensively. You know, take some of the things off his plate, and then in the offseason, let him work some third in as well. Yeah, I would say, generally speaking, that Lawler's bat profile is better at third base than Perdomo's does if we're going based on, you know, typical power hitter, like guy with pop plays. Positional stereotypes, yeah. But it's 
you know, at this point, Arizona just wants as many talented bats in their lineup as possible. Can't blame them. Got to score. Got to score to win. That they're is, in, they're so. in a battle in the NL wild card. <laughs> My prediction in June is still kind of holding, by the way, because I did say I did say when they were in the middle of their crash that they would make the playoffs, and if it started today, they'd be in the playoffs. Yep. What about in Texas? The injury to Adoli, or Adolis Garcia has opened the door for Evan Carter. It was rumored that he was going to be brought up, and then the news broke. So, Evan Carter, talk to me about him. Like, the minor league numbers this year, pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Enough said. Yep. No, I mean, they, they are. He's been at three different stops. Um, that does include a rookie stop for three games at the start of the season. It doesn't really count, right? Mm-hmm. Um, most of that time was a double-A Frisco. 97 of the 108 games he's played this year were at double-A Frisco. Eight were at Round Rock, which is their triple-A affiliate just down the road there. It was a hot streak at triple-A. 353, 436, and then interesting slug at 382. Um, so, not you know. Didn't exactly put one over the fence in those eight games, but okay. <laughs> I mean, he had 12 homers and 22 steals in 97 games at double A, which is pretty reasonable. Yeah. He is their top prospect. I would say he's a hit and speed over power guy. Um, he's got a plus hit tool, plus speed, average pop. Um, so, in terms of the profile here, you know, what does average pop mean? Average pop basically means you're kind of expecting 20 homers, right? Right. Plus steals, I put it between 28 and 32 stolen bases. And a plus bat, I put between 285 and 295 average. So it's not bad, right? If you mm-hmm. can get a 20 homer, 25 steal outfielder who's going to hit 280, it's not going to kill you. Is he going to be an elite talent? No, but he's going to be a more than serviceable fantasy option. So down the stretch, he'll get some playing time. I don't know how exactly their contracts shake out in the outfield going into next year. I would assume that they would love to give Evan Carter a run at spring training to win a starting job. Outfield's kind of been a just ride them while they're hot type position for the Rangers for a few years now. Um so we'll see, but if you're in need of outfield help, I'd give Evan Carter a shot down the stretch. I think I would as well. And then this one, I mean, there's not going to be any more numbers coming from this season, but what do you make of how Pittsburgh handled Paul Skeen since drafting him? A couple appearances, moved him up to AAA, lauded total about six and two thirds innings or six and a third inning, if I believe correctly. Is this kind of expected with a top guy? Is this a bit kind of off the wall thinking with what they're doing with him? Is it just because he threw so much in college that they don't want to overuse him for now, even though they only saw him for six innings? I mean, what do you make of it? Is there is there anything weird or different that Pittsburgh's doing here that kind of raises eyebrows? Um, well, I mean, it's not any different than Nolan Shanuel making the majors like 21 days after he was drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, it's been a good 20, you know, been a good stretch in the majors for that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's we- it's hard to judge what Pittsburgh does with their prospects to be totally honest no it's fair 
because uh, Mitch Keller looked like he was good to come up, and then they let him sit at AAA for a while till he got beat up, and then they called him up, and then he got beat up in the majors, and then they sent him back to like. I'm not sure. So I like to see them backing off. He pitched a lot of high leverage innings for LSU this year. They used him a lot. Um, so I think they kind of wanted to just get the table set for him to maybe start at AAA next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen we've seen this group of draftees being moved faster than I think any other group of draftees. Agreed. Dylan Cruz is at AA. For the Nationals, Shanuel obviously made the majors. Um, another draftee this year was just moved up to Double A as well. I'm blanking on his on his name, but it was another you know high draft. Wyatt Langford's been moved pretty quickly as mm-hmm. well. So I just think it speaks to the amount of talent, young talent that there is coming into the pool. So we'll see. Do I think that Paul Skeens could be up with the Pirates next year? Maybe. Perhaps. I mean, <clears throat> he's that elite of a guy that I'm not sure you're going to get a great idea of what his stuff's going to do in the low minors. Certainly not below double A. So we'll, yeah. we'll see. For sure. And then quickly, here are course of our superb and super significant statistic of the week. Matt, I'm going to be timely here. Did you know that Kadarius Tony had as many drops in Thursday Night Football last night as Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, Rafael Devers, Shohei Otani, L.A. De La Cruz, Eloy Jimenez, and Kyle Tucker have home runs over the last two weeks combined? It's either a lot of drops or not a lot of homers. <laughs> yeah, Tony uh, a had lot a of bad, drops and not a lot of homers. Yep. Yeah, Tony had a bad, had a had a very bad day. I joked, I put out on Twitter that Jim Abbott could catch better than Kadarius Tony. For those that don't remember Jim Abbott had one hand. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. And a no hitter. He did. So that's a, that's a that's a pretty good that's a pretty good stat. I have two that I could go with. Okay. Actually. Um speaking of Nolan Nolan Shanuel, he has gotten on base in 16 straight games to start his Angels career. The last Angel to do that, Darren Erstad in 1996. Nice. And you know what happens when you flip 96? You get 69. The last time the Yankees were 69 and 69 was 1969. Nice. I mean. Nothing else to say. For everybody that's not a Yankees fan, I guess that's nice. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. <laughs> very true. Uh, Matt, I got a couple minutes here before we head out for the week. But let's hit our weekend streamers and waiver wire preview. I will go first. You may not like this one, but. It is what it is. 44% owned on fan tracks. Emmett Sheehan with the Dodgers gets the Nationals uh, tonight on Friday. Looked good in his last two starts, including actually stymieing a very potent Atlanta offense. He's steadily increasing usage on his changeup, and that's been a really, really good whiff pitch for him. Washington doesn't strike out a ton. I will give them that. So it could end up being like Sheehan goes five innings, three hits, one earned run, three strikeouts. But as a streamer, it's all you can ask for. And again, he's available in over half of fan tracks leagues and probably like 97% of ESPN leagues at this point because everyone's focused on fantasy football there. So yeah, <clears throat> Matt, who is your um, waiver wire or I'm sorry, your weekend streamer, but I'll also kind of just let you parlay that into your uh, waiver wire pickup as well. Yeah. The uh, Nats offense has taken a hit since stone Garrett went down. Yep. Um, they were well, they were decently above 500 with him in the lineup and they are well below 500 without him in the lineup. Um, my streamer is uh, Michael King for the Yankees. 
He's owned in 49% of Fantrax leagues. Uh, he's starting Saturday versus Milwaukee. So the last two starts for King, he's gone four innings and five innings, so nine total innings. Just given up two earned uh, with nine strikeouts. The last start came in Houston, went five innings, gave up one earned, got four strikeouts, five hits, got the win against a pretty solid Astros offense. Milwaukee over the last month is horrifyingly bad against righties on the road. They rank 29th in baseball uh, in batting average and dead last in ISO and weighted runs created plus. So they are not doing very much. They won't strike out a ton. I'll give them that, but they're also not doing anything when they make contact. So uh, Michael King's being stretched out as a starter. We can roll with him. And guess what? While you let me parlay it into my waiver wire, that's my waiver wire at. Guys available in more than half the leagues on fan tracks. He's being stretched out to be a starter, which is how he was drafted and developed. Um, Yankees need starting pitching. They need everything to be, except for shortstop. Uh, but they need everything. So, yeah, if you need a starting pitching option for a guy who's been pretty good of late and is going to strike out about a guy in inning, go with Michael King. Can't ask for more than that. And I'll give you mine here available. He's actually rostered in only 22% of fan tracks. He's so available in over three quarters of leagues. Fantasy baseball playoffs, offensively speaking, all about riding the hot bat. And Will Brennan is that five multi-hit games over his last seven. And over the last two weeks, he's hitting 405 with five RBI and three stolen bases. The dearth of offensive pop might hurt some of his counting numbers, but he'll get you some hits, steal a couple bags here and there. And maybe he'll get to cross the plate every now and again. That's basically what we're hoping for. And the rest for. of the offense around him is <laughs> not great. It's not great, but he's been good. So hopefully yeah. they can all follow suit with him. So in your leagues, go look at Will Brennan. Go get Michael King if you need streamers. The aforementioned King and Emmett Sheehan look like to be in good spots. Head over to FantasyAlarm.com. Check out Matt's prospect report and all of the great content we have there. Become an all-pro subscriber. Get your subscription there over at fantasyalarm.com. We'll get ready for the week one of the NFL season. And of course, we've said it before. I'm contractually obliged to say it. Do not forget about your fantasy baseball teams. You've been wanting the fantasy baseball title since probably January, maybe February at this point. Don't lose sight of the end goal now. Give me a follow on X at Colby R. Conway. Matt is at the salesman. And we will see you next week with the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.